The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first ever Week 18 edition of A Good Football Show or the Roto World Fantasy Podcast. We are making history along with the NFL as we hurdle into the great Week 18 unknown. I am your host, Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter. Going to take a spin through all the week's biggest headlines, including Michael Gallup's injury, Darren Waller's likely return, and the Raiders' win and end game with the Chargers, and who might actually be trying this week, Denny. Uh, you know who's uh, not trying to win is uh, Joe Judge doing some sub EV type stuff, like starting Mike Glennon every week. And uh, but that didn't stop him, you know, from claiming on Sunday that you know former Giants, a like grown men, tears in their eyes, calling him up, weeping, and saying they wish they were still on the Giants. And I just want first off, are you one of these people? And do you believe Joe Judge? I am. I, I actually call Joe Judge at least once a week and say, can I please come be your kicking uh, coordinator ne- next year uh, as a, as a longtime Raider of fantasy, you know, analyzer of fantasy kickers. I think I'm qualified anyway. He's sending your, uh, he's putting your kids through college. The amount of I, well, I'm hoping he does. And, and, and he's, he, here's, here's a, a beat reporter. What a beat reporter said about Joe Judge's bizarre rant after the uh, the Bears beat the Giants on Sunday, and by the way, the Giants had, I, I believe, negative passing yardage in that game. They did. It was the fewest net passing yards since Ryan Leaf in 1998. If you want to know yeah. how the Giants' this Sunday went, <laughs> so here's here's a little clip of, of the story that I, I just I couldn't stop reading. Uh, it says so when Judge says he's got players who are going to be free agents, quote, who are in my office every day begging to come back. Or former players from last year's team, quote, that still call me twice a week talking about how much they wish they were still here. Does that matter to anyone? And the answer, of course, is no. Yeah, no, but, no it couldn't matter less to me. <laughs> but but it doesn't it doesn't matter to fans. I mean, f- I'm sure fans are very irritated by by this 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 lie about players who who escaped. New York, right? And then call judge and say, oh, I, w- I wish I were there in the most miserable situation in the entire NFL. Yeah, it wouldn't matter even if it were true. And there's a lot of evidence that's like not even true. I th- really, like the only options, someone like did a deep dive on the Giants 2020 roster of like actual veteran players who would matter who left. It was like Dalvin Tomlinson and like, <laughs> one other guy, like, like <laughs> two dudes who like barely even Dalvin Tomlinson's a fine NFL player. But like it was, it wasn't a very big player pool of people who could even be doing this, and there were no like difference making names in the group. So the whole thing was one of the, it was a tr- like you hit the two words bizarre and rant. It yeah. was a truly bizarre, deranged, unhinged rant from a guy you know who feels the walls closing closing in. He's yeah. probably sad yeah. that he's blown his chance at being an NFL coach, but. 
that uh, that that didn't help anything. It's like a lot of times, you know, teams will like look for any reason to keep guys like Joe Judge. Like you know, they they hold on and hold on and hold on. But like usually, if you're a guy like Joe Judge, you just keep giving them reasons not to hold on. Right. And this might have been like the one that made it untenable. Like, well, we can't keep this guy now. I mean, he's making it worse. He's trying to make it better for himself, but he's making it worse. I think. I think what's happened is uh, four to five weeks ago, he was a struggling coach who was safe, though. You know, and 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 things were were in line for him to return for a, you know maybe one last shot at turning things around, and that that made some some sense. But after the last month of being humiliated, not even by good teams, by by teams like the Bears, but the Bears are barely a functional team, and the Bear, the Bears look like the Bucks, uh, look like the eighty five Bears, right? And and so you know you have a month of that sort of humiliation, and suddenly I don't think that his job is as safe. Now it's the Giants, it's tradition, all this stuff, so they'll probably give him another chance. But wow, it is. It is. It's getting so much worse, and he's making it worse for himself. I'm not even kidding. Like, not trying to be sarcastic or make a joke. I do think that press conference honestly was probably the straw that broke the camera. Really? Back. Yeah. It that was bad. Organizations don't like to be embarrassed. They don't like clowns. Even the Giants. That was that was this clownish and like just not not a good look. As a Zoomer probably said like five years ago, and no longer <laughs> says like just not a good look for anybody. And you're totally different than last year too, where the Giants were bad, but they actually played much better in the second half of the season. Yeah, this year a complete collapse. He, you know, with the, every week is like one, just one last time, one last pull at the Mike Glennon slot machine. <laughs> and I guess even that's not really his fault because they they did try Jake Fromm, and that somehow went even worse. Yeah, but, I, well, we we shouldn't forget though that the team was really bad with Daniel Jones uh, under center. Um, you know, they could barely. Uh, we saw this in in prime time a couple times. They, they they could barely function as a team in the two minute drill. Like I I don't think I've ever seen a team not be able to run like a basic two minute drill. But the Giants, you know, had that situation every single time. I was gonna it say was, I, I didn't know if you were talking about one specific game. It was like every week. Yeah, it was it was as if they they never worked on it. That it was new to them. I I I don't know what that deal was, but it clearly was not addressed. And like like something like that is is a very glaring thing for uh, for an owner to see. For, for yeah, and it's good for coaches like non traditional backgrounds to get head coaching shots. But a former special teams coach, a very short lived wide receivers coach, he just wasn't ready. It appears, yeah. and it is the Giants, like you said. They they're like one of the continuity franchises, but. It seems like an entire house cleaning is coming with Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge. And yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's hard not to feel kind of for a guy because this was like Joe Judge's big moment. And yeah, I mean, a guy like that, make the best never, he's never going to get uh, another another shot. And, uh, and he, uh, you know, he, he knows that. I mean, it was a it was an oddball hire. And those are more likely to go, you know, haywire than not. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he didn't give his best Mark Trestman though in terms of oddball hires. We we needed more like true. We we finally got some true oddball stuff at the press conference. But if you're an oddball hire, at least be a real oddball. Man, Trestman. Mm. But yeah, good Those old Trestman. Those were the good old days for sure. Denny, one of the toughest storylines of Week 17 was Michael Gallup tearing his ACL. The soon-to-be 26-year-old was finally about to get his first shot at free agency. Instead, he will likely now be limited to one year prove it deals on the open market probably enhances his odds greatly of re-signing with the Cowboys actually after he was previously as good as gone. 
We'll get to Gallup's dynasty league status in a moment, but what do you think the immediate impact for the playoff mound Cowboys is said Wilson season and postseason DFS? What what is yeah. what's the fallout here for Michael Gallup's injury? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, Cedric Wilson stepped in for Gallup last week. Uh ran a, a route on half of Dak Prescott's dropbacks. Of course, he only played really half the game. So um, he became a full-time player in that uh, after the Gallup injury. But, you know, you look back to Wilson's, uh, you know, uh, usage this season when the Cowboys have been missing, you know, either Gallup or CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper. Uh, and he's he's had a good ra- uh, route rate on, in all of those. He has a 10-target game this season. He has two seven-target games. He had, you know, Like I said, he saw six targets last week, including a touchdown against the Cardinals kind of in garbage time. Um, so he's, yeah, I mean, as far as like the fantasy impact of, of this immediately, uh, he's like the, the clearly the cheapest way to access, you know, a, a high powered, uh, uh, Dallas offense. But, uh, you know, as for Gallup, um, you know, it, it's a shame. Apparently it's a, it's a clean ACL tear, whatever that means, uh, per Ian Rappaport. Maybe he can, he can get back like more quickly. He might be and, back for week one. These timelines have really, really condensed. Yeah. ACLs, right. But, right. So it's, right. it's definitely possible, maybe not probable, but like it's, it wouldn't be, no one would like be shocked if he's back for week one, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't think any team's going to regard him as their number one receiver, but he makes uh, probably a hell of a number two receiver on, on most teams. That ship, yeah, that ship had probably sailed and Gallup getting a number one receiver. He is older than you think, too. 26. Yeah. He's pretty old for a first-time free agent, but he had a he had a shot. He was developing into one of the league's better number two receivers before CeeDee Lamb arrived in Dallas, and he could have, like, returned to that role and, like, grown in that role and maybe become, like, an every week top 24 wide receiver in fantasy again depending on where he ended up. But yeah, it's pretty rare, especially since he's 26. It's going it to be very difficult for him to get more than a one-year deal in free agency. He's going to be looking like incentive-laden stuff, probably guaranteed money only for 2022. And probably really does. It's one of the, the, the things with these injuries is when one of these things with the injuries and free agency, I should say, is that it's one thing to re- rehabbing your injury it's totally different when you're trying to like do it and like learn a new system at the same time i think that's why a lot of like injured players just totally bomb when they land in new places it's because yeah. it's like so hard to juggle that at once i think it probably just greatly increases the odds he returns to the cowboys but yeah if you were hoping for that next step in dynasty it's probably never coming at this point because he's going to be 26 with a torn acl and he has never been a number one receiver it's just not the profile of a guy who's going to get a number one receiver shot yeah, I you know I actually hadn't considered uh, him going back to Dallas, but that probably is the most likely scenario at this point. After the injury, his familiarity familiarity with the offense, the fact that you know he he has been productive there when he's healthy, which is not very often, um, but 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 he has, and he was actually on his way probably to a big game against the Cardinals when he got hurt. Yeah, as long as the Cowboys don't like outright insult him in free agency, like offer him no guaranteed money or something, which I can't really see them doing it. Probably just makes too much sense for him not to resign with the Cowboys. He needs to not, he needs to, his off season focus needs to be getting his knee right. And not like familiarizing himself with a new offense, new team, new city. And so I think the odds, I would say the odds on favorite for his outcome and free agency is resigning with the Dallas Cowboys at this point. 
The win and end Raiders are finally getting Darren Waller back this weekend after a five-week absence. He is returning against a Chargers defense that allows the fifth most tight end fantasy points. And I actually think it's the most tight end fantasy. I think I misread, miswrote my own note. I believe the Chargers allow the most tight end fantasy points. They do. So it's a really, really yeah. good return spot for Darren Waller. Are we expecting a big game, Denny, after a five-week absence? And what might this mean for Hunter Renfro, who had really been picking up the slack for Waller during during his sabbatical until Zay Jones yeah. had come on of late? If you remember, and it, it seems like a long time ago now, that uh, Darren Waller last played. It was on Thanksgiving, right, when he hurt his, his knee against the Cowboys. Um, and the Cowboys humiliating home loss on Thanksgiving no, tradition, unlike no other. Uh, at the hands of Daniel Carlson. <laughs> and and it, uh, Waller was running really cold uh, coming into that game, but the uh, peripheral numbers were okay. You know, he had a 25% target share. Um, he was leading the team in air yards. I'm sorry if you hear the banging above me. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, since since his exit, since he's left the lineup, Hunter Renfro has led the team with a 23% target share. Um, the splits, Renfro's split, splits with and without Waller since the beginning of the 2020 season are really something. I'll, I'll, I'll read them off here. Uh, Renfro has averaged 5.8 targets and 10.7 PPR points with Waller in the lineup since the beginning of last season. Uh, in five games without Waller, Renfro has seen eight, eight and a half targets per game and averaged 16.4 PPR points. So it's, it's a, just a huge uptick. I mean, he's, he's become like the centerpiece of the Raiders offense. I know that's funny and everything, but it's true. <laughs> and uh, um, him and Zay Jones, weirdly, Zay Jones has almost the same target share. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's, you know, those intermediate targets that Waller would usually eat up uh, were suddenly all went to Renfro. They certainly didn't go to Foster Moreau. That's what we know. Yeah, Zay Jones, by the way, has become like the platonic ideal of the meme of I wish I loved anything as much as Derek Carr loves targeting Zay Jones. Yeah. Just, oh, my God. And he's finally making it work through like sheer force of will. For like a month, it just like wasn't working at all. And everyone, everyone was basically, please, Derek. And you guys love, laughed at me. I have to say. God, I know we did laugh. At you me. and Daigle and Kyle, you all laughed when That's I said. in the watch file out, now. Watch out for lawyer. Zay Jones. <laughs> We did. I actually think we did like legit lull at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Derek I mean, Carr. every time I every time I saw anything about Zay Jones, they were like, "This guy is the epitome <laughs> of a, of a professional. He is the most important player in the NFL. He is everybody should strive to be Zay Jones." This is what the Raiders would talk about. I know. Well, Derek Carr talks about him like he was his grandfather who served in the war <laughs> with <laughs> distinction know. and has like brought the family honor. He really, really, really loves. They love that uh, guy. Zay Jones so much. Uh, but Hunter Renfro, by the way, I'm in like I'm in a, a sicko league that's points only that goes through week 18. It's actually honestly my home league, so I hate to admit out loud my home league. Uh, but it's points, it's points only. It's a totally different setup. But I, I don't think I can start Hunter Renfro this week. Uh, I mean, the problem is my alternatives are like yeah, I was gonna say who who, who would I mean, Devonte Smith would have been the alternative, but uh, he's, he's uh, not probably not even gonna play, which we'll get into in the second half of the show. But if you've if you're in week 18, if you going into DFS, I mean, if you're a sharp DFS player, you probably don't need us to tell you that you might not want to play Hunter Renfro this weekend. But this, yeah, the Hunter Renfro outlook has drastically changed with Darren Waller coming back for week 18. So just keep your head, stay woke, keep your head on a swivel when it comes to starting Hunter Renfro this weekend. 
Denny, I don't know if you heard, but Antonio Brown was in an Uber when he should have been on the sideline on Sunday. He quit the team in the middle of the game. The Super Bowl or bust Bucks are now down one of the best receivers of all time as they head into the postseason. Journeyman Cyril Grayson has appeared to be the next man up each of the past two weeks. Guys like Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller's only played 10 snaps over yeah. the past two weeks. He has been canceled in the Bucks receiver core. So do we expect Cyril Grayson to be the guy running behind Mike Evans in week 18 in the postseason? Just what are we expecting from this yeah. Bucks receiver core? I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit ashamed as, as someone who enjoys a, a sicko play as much as anyone uh, that I didn't notice that Cyril Grayson quietly ran a route on 81% of Tom Brady's dropbacks in week 17. I'm sorry, we, in, in week, week 16. 16. Yeah, he's in, in back-to-back 81-yard games. In, in week 16, right. Uh, what? Where Where did that come from? I like, really do not know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't take note at all. And, um, you know, that, that route rate was way down in this one, but he still saw eight targets for a 16% target share, only Gronk saw more targets than Cyril Grayson. So apparently with, with Scotty Miller completely falling out of favor with the Tampa uh, coaching staff with Brady, maybe, maybe there's an injury or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Scotty Miller, but uh, who, who used to slot in pretty nicely when, when Evans or Godwin would, would be banged up. I think, yeah, I think, it, I think it is Grayson in this, in this week. And I, the, the bucks, the bucks do have something to play for. It's a little tough to say what happened to Scotty Miller. He was injured in the first half of the season, and maybe he just never got right physically because it is weird that he put up no fight whatsoever with Tyler, Tyler Johnson. Rashad Perriman just blew by him. Now Cyril Grayson just blew by him. So maybe Scotty Miller just hasn't been physically right. Uh, Cyril Grayson, a 2017 undrafted free agent. He had wow. one career catch coming into the season. He has been with the Bucks. For a long time, he's been like a core Bucks special teamer. He's appeared in basically every game of the Tom Brady era. So maybe he's got like some Matthew Slater energy going, uh. where like Tom Brady just really trusts him. Maybe like Brandon Bolden type thing, where like he's a core special teamer. They don't want to have to use him in offense, but when they do have to use him in offense, they have like complete trust in him to like not fumble the ball or to like run the right route, like throw the right block. So maybe it's just a matter of like really, really valuing his veteran presence or something. Of trust, of trust, yeah. yeah. Who, I mean, say it's the wild card round of the playoffs. We don't know the opponent. We don't know the salaries or anything like that. But just today, right now, do you think we, are we going to be getting Tyler Johnson or Cyril Grayson into our lineups for the wild card DFS? Oh, I, just a guess. I know. I think it's trending. First of all, Tyler Johnson dropped the touchdown from Brady late oh, in that no. Jets game. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Brady. Brady had that that look on his face, like, okay, well, you're dead to me. Sorry, about that. <laughs> we're, we're we're done here, Tyler. So Tyler Johnson canceled. Scotty Miller canceled. It's going to be uh, this Grayson dude. It probably is going to be Seal Grayson because I think they like Brashad Perriman, but like everyone else, they like Brashad Perriman as a role player, a situational deep threat. So basically, it's hard to believe in something like Cyril Johnson because it's so random Grayson. and out of nowhere. But the evidence like does suggest it's real. There could be more for Cameron Brait. Maybe O.J. Howard comes out of witness protection. I'm a little unclear <laughs> yeah. on why he's yeah. not involved. But 
No, it's true. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so someone uh, made that point on, on TV. It was a, a rare good point made on, on television, on television where uh, someone said, Hey, what about OJ Howard and Cameron Braid? And I thought, you know what, that sounds more viable than just running out these uh, receivers all day. I, I, you know, I, I mentioned the route rate and, and unless I really miss something here, uh, Cyril Grayson's route rate, he only ran around a, a 52% of Brady's dropbacks last week. So it's not like he was like a full, a full-time player. I guess we should exercise a little caution. here. He's just, he's in there to do the little things, man. When you do the little things, well, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick's uh, school of thought, they reward you. So Cyril, I think it's surreal, but there is always money in the Cambrate banana stand, by the way. And the Zoomers out there, you got to watch Arrested Development if you don't get that. I was so upset when Cameron Bray caught that touchdown against the Jets. <laughs> Remember, we <laughs> joked about it on the show that it was going to happen. Uh, oh, oh, another another joke of ours that came that came true right away. I know was a fluky Braxton Berrios touchdown. <laughs> I know right? that's right, that's right, that's right. I, I think I said passing touchdown, and, and, and it was and a rushing he, touchdown. No, no, but, but but you were right. He tried. He the the the, the play was for him to throw. He was supposed oh to throw, gosh. and he and then he but he just took it in and i thought oh my god we've predicted the future man they love braxton barrios and oh god they They love this guy he's the whole franchise yes it's kind of insane he's not on the patriots still or down in the bucks because he is like because the the patriots ones who who drafted him he is like that system to a t it's amazing he got away yeah really he's actually kind of good i guess we have to accept he seems to be kind of a good football player uh baker mayfield denny uh, he bottomed all the way out on Monday evening, completing 42% of his passes, had another two interception start, his 12th and 13th of the year. Now he's talking about sitting out week 18 as he preps for sh- shoulder surgery. Is there an actual chance the Browns let Baker Mayfield walk? Because it makes a lot of sense on paper, but everything we're hearing, this is an awful draft class. They're not going to have a lottery draft pick. You know, They're going to be like the teens. The free agent classes like Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Trubisky, Dalton, Foles, Ryan Fitzpatrick, etc. But man, I mean, it's certainly he was hurt all year with more than one injury, but it certainly did feel like a tenure nearing its end, did it not, with Baker Mayfield and Cleveland? It does. And uh, you know, he he is gonna have surgery. He said he has to yeah, he said before he makes his week 18 decision, he has to talk to his agent. I know that was uh, unusual honesty, I must I was, say. <laughs> I, I, I was like, uh, I mean, right, we know that, that they all are doing that, but only Baker Mayfield's one of the only guys in the league that probably, yeah, I'm gonna talk to my agent. Uh, I mean, I should, I think you should never talk about your agent. No, yeah, you really shouldn't, even though we know it's going on, you should never mention the word agent. Yeah, uh, <laughs> anyway, that that was curious, but you know, uh, the right thing to do probably would have been for Mayfield to. Uh, have surgery uh, early this season and maybe come back later in the season. Trying to be tough, trying to be a team, but he ended up screwing himself and maybe his team by doing that. Yes. And they, you know, because they were continue, they, they, they were forced to play him when I, you know, I don't think it's a hot take to say case Keenum would have been a better option at points this season. Case Keenum is not great, but he's serviceable and Mayfield with his injury or, or or his deteriorating play or whatever has not been serviceable. Like everything is down. His uh, adjusted yards per attempt way down. His completion rate down. There was something else that I had right on the tip of my tongue, and now I forget. Oh, he only completed forty two percent of his passes uh, last night. He He's 30- down to sixty percent on the year. I mean, which is pretty tough. In yeah, the, the modern NFL. 
unless you're like a run first quarterback, like who's being asked to run 10 or 15 times a game, it's pretty tough in the NFL to complete fewer than 60% of your passes these days. Right. And so last year, uh, one thing you could say about Mayfield is that he didn't make the backbreaking uh, mistakes. And he, he only had eight interceptions all of last year. He now has 13 with one game left. Of course, he probably won't play that game. The Browns would have to make a major move to get to upgrade, I think, a quarterback, you know, someone like a Russell Wilson or, you know, I mean, I, Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, that's not happening. Uh, and, and that, in that, I, but, but you can't, you can't possibly go into next year and say Baker Mayfield is our starter. No, no questions asked. I mean, they might have to. I mean, with, cause they have something they can cling to and that he wasn't healthy. That'll be like what they have to cling to. But I mean, the contract is going to be. That's where it, where it could break down because I, I think the Browns might have interest in bringing him, and maybe even as the likely starter. But like, it's going to have to be a thing where it's like a two year deal with no guaranteed money beyond 2022. That's the kind of thing that's going to insult Baker Mayfield. But, you know, he might have to swallow his pride because he's going to be a, such a strange free agent case. I mean, he could get franchise tags. I, I know it seems crazy, but like, the quarterback options are so bad that I, I kind of. I understand the argument that they might do something else. I do think he'll probably be back as the starter, but like the fact that we're even having the conversation yeah. at all is like a huge loss for the Browns because if he had just done re, di, I don't know, I can't speak English. If he had done again what he did last year, yeah. basically everything would have been fine. No one would have been like super happy with it because it wasn't like elite play, but it was like the kind of like Ryan Tannehill thing that you can just like get along with. It's like, whatever. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, he was excellent last year, really good on play action. That hasn't been the case for most of this season. If you look at his play action completion rate and yards per attempt, yards per completion on those plays. So the, the stuff that was working, especially in the second half of the season in 2020 for, for Mayfield in this offense has, has not worked. And whether that's the injury or not, I, I don't know. I should have followed up the Bucks receiver talk with this one because it's the Bucks backfield talk. This was a special request for you, by the way. You, you're the one who wanted to talk about this. Where apparently Le'Veon Bell is yeah. the only "quote unquote" healthy running back for the Bucks right now. Rojo has an ankle injury. Keyshawn Vaughn got his ribs shaken up on Sunday. So, I mean, what do you want to tell the world about Le'Veon Bell, Denny? Well, I I, I want to just mention that Bruce Arians. Here, here's what Bruce Arians said in his press conference on Monday. We'll have somebody back there. That's what he said about the backfield. Uh, Rojo is almost certainly out with a uh, after getting an MRI on his ankle, which he hurt against the Jets. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn did not come back to the game, did not return to the game after suffering his rib injury. So that left Le'Veon as the only option. And uh, Fournette is not coming back this week. So I think that Le'Veon could could end up starting and and seeing you know like a workhorse role, which is weird, but. Um, I, you know, I'm actually looking forward to it because um, is your sick human? Well, no, because I am a Leonard Fournette skeptic, and I believe oh, no, <laughs> I believe that this will this will prove me right. It will be interesting. I, I've always found it a little hard to believe that Le'Veon Bell was just instantly done. He's in his 20s. I know he sat out a year, but I always found it a little hard. Like the sitting out a year has like ruined his career. I guess he had all those touches in Pittsburgh, and that will ruin your career, but. I found his drop off to be. It could have happened to anybody, basically, going to the Adam Gase Jets. Right. And it was a little sad for me. And so it will be interesting to see if he has a good game for the Bucks this weekend. We'll be right back with the second half of the show after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We are entering the last week of the NFL regular season, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a chance to win $1 million this Sunday night. It's free and easy to play, so predict what will happen between the Chargers and Raiders for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Subscribe to NBC Sports Edge Plus and get every tool for every game. Fantasy, DFS, and premium betting tools are all included in one subscription at one low price. You can subscribe monthly or save 20% on an annual subscription. We've made it easier than ever with more tools than ever to play and wager with confidence with NBC Sports Edge Plus. Today we're now going to take a look at which teams have quote-unquote nothing to play for this weekend and who might actually try, who might have a little extra juice as they pursue a postseason berth or maybe a record, maybe just a personal record. We'll begin with the no-motivation teams, which thankfully seems to be a pretty small list this weekend, uh, beginning with the Green Bay Packers. We should have zero expectations for the Packers this weekend. Is that correct? That is that is correct. Uh, the, the 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 betting line on this game on this Packers Lions game is kind of everywhere right now. Um, but as of this moment, it looks like the it looks like the Packers are two and a half point favorites, which I, you know maybe just speaks to how bad the Lions can be. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to see you know Jordan Love under center. I, I believe that the hope will be for the Packers. The, the the Packers hope will be that Jordan Love will play uh, okay enough to maybe deal him to somebody for something uh, this this off season. But uh, you know, good luck with that. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of um, Equinemius St. Brown and Jawan Winfrey, who they they both got a lot of uh, preseason play when MVS and Lazard and Adams were sidelined or we're, we're not, you know, sat out. Um, we're not going to see much uh, A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones, if if any, which means that Patrick Taylor will, their, their third string. I was say, I was like, come on, get to the part where we talk about Patrick Taylor. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll probably take over as as uh, as something of an every down guy. I, I couldn't even figure out who would be the RB4 in that in this situation. <laughs> so I think Taylor, Taylor had his work cut out for him. Uh, but I, you know, they all, I think they all become interesting because the Packers cannot, cannot better themselves. Like it's, Oh, it's yeah. over. They can't do anything from here. It is weird. Aaron Rodgers was claiming he wants to play, even oh. though he has like that broken toe and it seems like two weeks of rest would be a really, really big deal for him. I feel like maybe he might have like some MVP paranoia. Like he wants uh, to go out there and maybe pad his stats a little bit for like a quarter, a quarter and a half. Cause he knows Tom Brady, is this like going to go out? Tom Brady always has like MVP paranoia. Right? He's just going like to be out there trying to be a re- relentless, ruthless machine. So like that was the only like real Aaron Rodgers motivation I could think of, but I can't see any way the Packers let him play. And after all the playoff disappointment they've had the past five or six years too, I think they're going to, he's one of the hardest players in the entire league to tame, but I think they're going to be like, Aaron, I'm sorry. There's just no way in hell yeah. you can play in this game. 
and you gotta rest your toe. They, yeah, they cannot. They can't play. They can't game. let him play. They actually. Yeah, I mean, they, they truly like cannot let him play. <laughs> that would, would be, be so irresponsible. Yeah, it would, it would be. be so. It would be. It would be deeply irresponsible to play him or Devonte Adams or either running back like that. The that team, uh, the the team success hinges so much on those four players. You can't do that. Yeah, and I don't think they will. And it is interesting. So you said the Packers are still favored. I actually hadn't looked at the line. Yeah, yeah, they're two two and a half point, but it started at eight and a half. Now it's down to two and a half. They've watched too many. The betters have watched too many Week Seventeen Browns Steelers games. Yeah, like the second string Steelers offense almost beats the Browns, <laughs> even though it's like the biggest game in Browns franchise history. <laughs> like that's happened a lot of times. That's so messed and, up. Well, I well, I think mostly what we're getting to is that it's another Amon Ray St. Brown smash spot with this. Is with the second and third string Green Bay defense in there. Man, yeah, oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, you should probably rank him as the wide receiver overall one this week. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty thin behind the Packers on teams that might not try. There's been a lot of scuttlebutt but about the Eagles not trying because they're basically locked into the six or seven seed. Not basically. They are locked into the six or seven seed. No one can really spot any motivation they would have carrying the line seems to reflect that too. And it seems like everyone who knows something is not expecting the Eagles to play their starters much or at all against the Cowboys on Sunday evening. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think this is a game where you could see some, uh, you know, some, you know, some of the Eagles starters playing in the first quarter or whatever, but I think we're going to see a lot of Gardner Minshew. Uh, You know, the, the running back situation is a, is a, is really hard to predict at the moment. I think it'll, it'll become more clear in the coming days, but you have uh, you have Jordan Howard and Boston Scott on the COVID list. You have Miles Sanders hurt. Kenny Gainwell, I suppose, could could slot in as like the the, the starter. They have a guy, and you know, I, I did my homework, so I know that they have one practice squad running back named Byron Marshall, and I believe he could maybe get called up this week to play uh, in this game against Dallas. But uh, Tyree Jackson, I think, you, you uh, could could be sort of interesting here. Dallas Goddard's on the COVID list. There's no reason to to play him here as a, a critical piece of this offense. Uh, Tyree Jackson is a, a, a kind of an intriguing prospect at tight end who uh, was was really fun and good for uh, preseason DFS purposes. So we could see a return of Tyree for Week 18. Yeah, I could see the Eagles maybe taking the approach where they want to keep guys sharp heading into the wild card round and like kind of keep up the momentum, so to speak. But, you know, they've got the COVID issues in the backfield. A lot of the running backs have been hurt in December. Jalen Hurts was hurt with that ankle for a while. It seems like it's going to be like too compelling for them to basically get – it's going to be too compelling, the prospect of rest, for them to pass that up. And it's pretty hard to envision the Eagles taking this game seriously and – Elsewhere in the NFC, I mean, the Cowboys have seeding to play for. The Bucks have seeding to play for. The Rams have seeding to play for. Besides the Packers, pretty much everyone else at the top of the NFC has some seeding to play for. And it's the same thing in the AFC. I mean, the AFC, they, the whole AFC could be operating under the assumption, well, the Titans are going to beat the Jaguars. So whatever. <laughs> like, right. uh, at least the Chiefs. The Chiefs, though, they're playing on Saturday. So they're not going to know. The Chiefs are probably going to go full bore on Saturday against the Broncos. Like, why mess around? If you have a shot at the number one seed, you have to take it. So the Chiefs should go full out on Saturday. The Titans have to win to lock up the number one seed. Uh, the Bengals and Bills, you know, they're fighting between, like, the third and the fourth seed, basically. But 
Yeah, that's like could be the difference between one or two home games. Uh, oh yeah, depending yeah. on what happens. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like the motivation is mostly in place for the rest of the contending team. So hopefully, knock on wood, we're, t- we're recording this on Tuesday. We're not going to get uh, we're not going to get word of many more teams planning to rest their starters. So yeah, we shall just see. On the other hand, we got some teams might have some extra motivation. We got people pursuing records. We have people pursuing playoffs. But you said. The, the Ravens are talking about like they want to play Lamar Jackson because they still have like nine things that could happen and they could like make the playoffs. Yes. Uh, I know that they have, they have to win. The Ravens have to win and they have to have three other games go a certain way. And I, I think they need the Raiders to win. I think they need the um, shoot. I, I, I can't remember the other, the other two. Right a lot now, of stuff but, happened. I mean, yeah, there's not even a joke. They probably need the chargers and Raiders to tie. I think is like what I think it's like what every non-Chargers and Raiders team in the AFC. Because I know oh, the Steelers needed yeah. the Raiders and Chargers to tie. Right. Um, um, so. I, I did see that if the the Jags beat the Colts, which no, excuse me, the Jags are playing the Titans, I believe. No, they're playing the Colts. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. You're right. I screwed that up with the Titans. Um, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that's right. So uh, if the Jags beat the Colts, and I understand that is a what we call a long shot in the business. <laughs> the Raiders and chargers could both make the playoffs if they tie. That's right. That's right. So. And I, yeah, sorry. To, <laughs> I, I said the Titans were playing the Jaguars. They're playing the Texans who are a far pluckier team than the Jaguars. Oh, yeah. So the chiefs will for sure be doing everything they can to win on Saturday and keep themselves in the mix for the number one seat. Cause it's in the games in Houston, the Texans could easily win I me mean, easily being relative, but this is the NFL They've been playing pretty good for a bad team. So yeah, the Chiefs. You have nothing to worry about with the Chiefs. Um, excuse me for the mistake on that. We yes, uh, um, the Texans have already beaten the Titans. Uh, so that's and, right. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, no one wins in Houston. You have to remember that. You know, it's, it's, that's it just true. You don't happen. just go into David Cully's house, Jack Easterby's house, and come out <laughs> with a victory. Come out alive. So and so it's uh, not something that happens. Yeah. So I I I think that uh, you mm-hmm. you definitely have. Uh, motivated teams beyond just the the Eagles and, and Packers. Yeah, we've got by by final week of the season standards, we've got a lot of teams that are going to be trying this. We could have almost had a normal fantasy weekend this week. That's not typical, of course, which is why we do not play our championships in the final week. But we're going to have close to a full normal slate of football this weekend. Now, on the other front, beyond team motivation, we've got especially with this this scam 17th game we got a lot of records in play why don't you mention to me a tom brady the single season passing yeah. record yeah uh, it's he, a rather high number he needs it is it? it is which is unfortunate because so it's 488 he, he needs 48 488 to break peyton manning's single season uh passing yardage record if it were 388 you know that he would get it yeah, like like he had like three hundred and twenty at halftime. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like he like that that would that would be going down. Now I know almost five hundred. I I you know besides like a Burrow esque type uh, performance, I I don't I don't I don't see it happening, especially because the game shouldn't be close against the Panthers. I I see Panthers fans who are actually hoping. I know that, that the Bucks beat beat the beat their team badly <laughs> so that Matt Rule will be fired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Real inspiring so, moment they've got going on there in Carolina. Yeah. Every week I see fire Matt Rule hashtag trending. Um, so things have gone very, very sideways in Charlotte. But yeah, even Tom Brady's not evil enough 
to go out there and throw for 488 yards in a game where they're only playing for seeding. So can't really see that happening. Uh, Cooper Cup, he only needs 135 records. Excuse me. Yeah, what? <laughs> I mean, he probably is setting 135 yeah. records. He only needs 135 yards to post the highest receiving total, single season receiving total of all time. I think it's a 49ers team where he had 11 catches for 122 yards the first time uh, they played this season. So, you know, the Rams, they're only playing for seeding, but they could get as high as the number two seed. Uh, it certainly feels like Calvin Johnson's all-time receiving record is in danger this weekend. Yeah, they, they're going to want him to get that. Like, yeah, like they, that like, one's attainable. That one's for like real deal attainable. It is. It is. Unlike Jonathan Taylor going for 300. Yeah, you yards. were, you were uh, briefly <laughs> pushing Jonathan Taylor until I pointed out it would take 400 yards. Uh, which, uh, what is the know. Jags? I mean, but Urban's not there anymore. Probably not happening. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Cooper Cup's going to get that record, and uh, and and the the Rams game plan is going to be predicated on getting him that record. Of course, they they won't say that. No one will acknowledge it. They'll no. be they won't even acknowledge that they know it's it's attainable. So, what's the record book? Right, uh, right. There there are records. They people <laughs> keep track of these numbers. Yeah, that, that's how they'll approach it. But but yeah, I think I think Cooper Cup will uh, will get that and makes for an unbelievably good and reliable play once again. Once again, this season, yes. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance Cooper Cup's going to have like nine catches for 97 yards at half. Because I agree with you, like, even though, like, they need to win this game, they can't, like, go out there with, like, a mockery game plan. Like, they're going to – there's just no way they're not going to pursue it. It's probably going to be the number one Rams team goal this weekend. Oh, yeah. And he averages 115 receiving yards a game. They're probably going to view it as easy. And that's one where I think you will know by halftime if Cooper Cup's going to get the record or not. He might have it by halftime. Like they <laughs> might just go. How many? He's 135. Oh God, yeah, he's going <laughs> to. Yeah. He could have it by halftime. <laughs> he really could. Uh, beyond that, I mean, Kyle Pitts is seeking the rookie tight end record. I mean, which would be a huge scam with the 17th game. Mike Dick at a 1,076 60 year 60 years ago. Kyle Pitts is already at 1,018, but you know they're not going to care about the scam aspect because Ditka did that in 14 games. That, that's right. Uh, that's how good Ditka was. Right. No, I mean, I mean, think about how much better Mike Ditka's rookie season was compared to Kyle Pitts's when you adjust for era and when you adjust for the number of games. You're, I mean, it's probably if you adjust, it's probably equivalent of like of like 1800 yards yeah, it probably honestly is near 2000 like in terms of era because like a tight yeah. end yeah like a, a thousand seventy six when jfk was president i mean that's like that'd be like 300 yards a week yeah i mean year. kyle pitts kyle pitts has had the most disappointing season possible and he's probably going to break this record so that, that i mean the just- most disappointing possible is a bit uh but it's true like he's had the most disappointing good season how about that like he, he's had like a yeah. and, it's hard for a, a objectively good season to have been more disappointing because like it was objectively good by any reasonable measure, but the expectations were just so out of whack. Uh, yeah. But, my expectations were completely out of whack. That's for sure. Yeah. So he's, what is, how many short is he? He's uh, Kyle Pitts. He's only, I had it written down a real good podcast host here. And of course I somehow lost it. He's like, he needs like 60 um doing i have literally a calculator in my hand he needs 59 yards to break mike dicka's record he had five catches for 61 yards the last time he played the panthers so this one is this one's really 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 somebody's he's not playing the panthers i keep getting the matchups wrong. are they uh, the, the falcons are going to hang a banner for this aren't they they are the falcons are playing the saints by the way 
Um, it's going to be the biggest accomplishment in yeah, Falcons team history. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the last one we have is Mike Evans is 50 far, 50 far, 54 mm-hmm. yards short of his eighth straight 1,000-yard season. He missed the Bucks' first game against the Panthers. They allow the sixth fewest fantasy point, wide receiver fantasy points, but I feel like there's no way Mike Evans is not getting 54 yards on Sunday, right? There is zero chance if he if he plays even even half the snaps he's gonna he's gonna get that record. Brady will make sure he he gets to a thousand. But again, completely fraudulent. Seventeen games <laughs> in in this past happy era of football, and the fact that he needs that he still hasn't broken oh, gone over a thousand at this point. Uh, yeah, it's not not the best. Yeah, he should be a man of honor and just not even play. Uh, <laughs> People are going to say, by the way, well, it's not fraudulent because actually this is his 16th game because he missed a game. But that that's part of it. he has extra. He can you can miss time with injury and get makeup games now. Yeah, no, that's not the way that works. It's the 17th game, so it's not the way. But but he's going to get 54 yards probably on the first snap of the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like Tom Brady's just going to take deep shots until he gets a 60 yard catch. There's no way they're not getting him to. So by the way, Mike Evans is very straight. He's had a 1,001 yard season. In a one thousand and six yard season, in there, so he's really been he's really been doing this like by the skin of his teeth. But they um, but they forced the issue. The Bucks have forced the issue at the end of the season in each of those really close thousand uh, yard seasons. So they'll they'll do it again. They have By the way, I don't mind teams like trying to get players their milestones. It, I, I don't like the all time record stuff in week seven. I'm definitely a curmudgeon about this. Like, why are we just ruining the record book for no reason? <laughs> But we're going to because it's modern life, and that's what we do. So can't fight it. Uh, I think I think that's the show, Denny. Uh, is that, that the is, show? That is that is the show. Uh, I wanted to let everybody know that I uh, went ahead and wrote a week eighteen kicker column for <laughs> for anybody who needs kicker advice in week eighteen. I'm, I'm guessing I've, I'm talking to point zero one percent of the fantasy community, but I also I just want to say I also have. Uh, an ode to Dan Campbell in in that column. Oh, wow. Dan Campbell, our analytics king, our high high testosterone analytics king. Uh, I talked about how aggressive he's been on fourth down this season, and uh, you know compared to the league, and also the the the, the trend of of going for it on fourth down. Like the the dominoes have fallen. Teams are are now going for it at a really good clip. Dan Campbell's just our everything king. Um, so, he, but he faked me out, man. He completely like I thought. I thought he was going to be one of these guys who took great pleasure in in punting on fourth and inches and, and whatnot. But he doesn't. Yeah, well, the best case scenario kind of came true with Dan Campbell. Where we talked about it with Summer, like maybe this is kind of a bit. It's strong to even call it a bit, but he had flashes of this during his brief time with the Dolphins when he was the interim coach. Where like he's he's definitely a very serious, high testosterone guy. But he's also like very reflective and thoughtful and like philosophical. Yeah. And he like clearly is like a deeper thinker than he would he would let on. And it's clearly really, 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 really wants to win football games. Yes. And he's thankfully understood that a way to win football games is being aggressive, is not punting, et cetera, et cetera. So seems to be an actually good hire. He, he's the, the universe's Yes, he's the universe's answer to Joe Judge. They are the yin to the other's yang. It's true. And it is funny, by the way, we've we've started praising Dan Campbell. We've even kind of started pra- praising David Culley's Texans who like overachieve every week. But like they still like the Lions have like two wins. 
the Texans have four. And like they're only overachieving relative to expectations. They're both like situations where like Dan Campbell won't be as fun if they win two or three games again next year. Oh no, no, that would be very bad. Yes, no, that would be very bad. But, yeah, yeah, check but, out Den- but, Denny's Kicker By the way, we we joke about it a lot, but it's a very yeah. valuable resource, actually. Thank so, you. So we're glad you wrote it for Week 18, and we're glad that you joined us for Week 18. We'll be back with our first of two preview shows on Wednesday with myself, Patrick Crane, Kyle Dvorak, then Denny and John Daigle will join myself and Matt Straub on Thursday. Good luck if you happen to still be playing this week. Uh, most of you probably aren't, so thank you for listening. Good luck in DFS. Good luck to your teams as they seek the playoffs. I'm Denny, or I'm Pat for Denny. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.